get into our message, I want to uh, just talk about our discipleship program for just a moment. I think this is important um, as we think about uh, just continuing to grow in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a slide coming up here. Um, we, we, our goal is to always help people follow Christ. To, uh, the Bible says that he's changing us, he's transforming us into the image of Christ. And so, uh, as, as disciples, that's what we're supposed to do. Jesus, his last words on earth was, go make disciples. So, we think this is very important. This is why we encourage you to be involved in discipleship. And, of course, in the fall, new classes kick off. And so, we thought we would um, really encourage you and walk through some of this with you. Our, 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 one of maybe a first class that we would invite people to, that if you're new to the church, or, or just, I, I want to make sure that I understand the foundations of what I believe. Uh, what, what, what did God do for me? How, how did he get me? How did he save me? How, who am I in Christ? All of those type of questions. Um, uh, Bobby, who, who is going to be installed today and will be Pastor Bobby here, uh, teaches Growing in Christ. And it's, it's a great class. And there's lots of people who have been members here for years that, that have taken this class, gone back through it. And there's a lot of new people that come to the church and take it. One of the things that you learn in there is how to defend your faith. What do I believe? And when we say defend, we don't mean like, you know, put them up type thing. Well, what do I believe? What if somebody asked you, what do you believe? How do I get to heaven? How can you answer them? Can you give them the truth? So this class is designed to help you be able to share what you know and believe. It also takes on things like attributes of God. Who is God? And how does he, how does he operate? What's he like? How can we know him? He, uh, Bobby discussed those things in great depth. The person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, this is what we call Christology. Knowing who Christ is. There, there's no greater person on this earth that you can spend the rest of your life studying than the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Bobby does a great job with that. And then the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, in a lot of conservative circles, sometimes he's the missing Trinity member. Well, who is he? What's he do? He's the Spirit of God. And so there's time to learn and see what, see what the Bible says about the Spirit of God, how, how he's part of our salvation, how he lives within us and takes residence there. And then certainly just the doctrine of salvation. How does God save a sinner? Does man do that? God's choice, his, our choice, his choice? Who, what does the Bible say? Not what we feel and think, but what does the Bible say about man's salvation? Such an important topic in that class as well. And then learning to be able to share your faith, what Bobby calls conversational evangelism. A great set of that class is just learning to say, how do I get a conversation started with a family member, a neighbor, someone at the store? How do I engage with people to tell them what God has shown me? So this is a great discipleship class. This is where we really encourage you. And maybe you're here and you said, man, I've been here a long time and I don't know I can answer some of those questions. You can, take, you can go leave your BFG you're in. You can go to that. Um, and we would really encourage you uh, to, to grab that class. From there, we... we we said, well, what about something just one-on-one? What about if I just want to meet with somebody that can kind of help me with these things and walk through things? So Tom Sheehan, where are you, Tom? Are you here? Today? Tom, stand up for just so you can recognize. Tom leads our partners ministry, and that's the second block. Thank you, Tom. It's a one-on-one discipleship. You sit down over a cup of coffee with somebody, 
and you work through questions and you look up passages of scriptures and you, you write down for the first time, maybe some of you, the first time your thoughts on what the Bible says about God, salvation, Christ, the church, so forth. And you have a conversation with somebody in that. And, and so what a great uh, program to be involved with. You can see Tom and he'll set you up with someone who's been trained in partners to sit down with you and spend time with you and meet with you regularly and walk you through that. Or maybe you're ready to do that with someone else. So go talk to Tom about that and say, Tom, I would like to be one of those guys or gals who you could use that somebody wants to sit down and go, go through this together. I'd like to be one of those people. Partners, great ministry. DTP, Discipleship Training Program. We wrote it years and years ago as it keeps growing and, and, and getting better, I think. Uh, um, this is just a program that we wrote that is designed to help men and women learn to be more like Christ. We, we explore the doctrine of what we call progressive sanctification. And I want to be clear here, meaning God sanctifies us. It's not a work of ourselves. He sets us apart. But then he progresses us to be more like him as long as we are in this life. That's his goal. He doesn't just save you and say, well, hey, we'll see you in 20 years when you get to heaven. He saves you to, to reflect his son in you each and every day. And so we explore that doctrine. We go through the scriptures and, and try to understand what it means that God is changing me. And so the first half of the class is built on that great theology, great study of, of seeing God change and transform our lives. And then really what we move from there is biblical womanhood and biblical manhood. What does the Bible say about the God-given roles of gender and marriage? Oh, is there, if there's anything under attack, God's under attack. No, make sure you know that. Anything that his, that his word is under attack, it's these things. And what probably one of the most biggest struggles in church-wide across the world are marriages. And often because they have not understood exactly what God has called them. And let me say this. You want to glorify God? Understand those roles. That brings such glory to God when men know their role and women know their role and together they bring incredible glory to the Lord. Whether you're single or married, divorced, this is a class that will progress you in the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. From there, you can go to DTP2, which is a study of the 10 major doctrines together, and uh, that runs on the, uh, those are all run on Sunday night as well. So there's some... some some wonderful classes, but notice the bottom of that. Our goal is not only for you just to take classes and grow, but we want you to be involved in Bible studies, Bible fellowship groups. We want you to be involved in community groups and seminars, and we want you to serve. <laughs> you, you don't want to be the one who has given this great gift of knowledge and understanding, and you went and buried it in the sand. And so that's, that's growing in Christ. That's, that's becoming more like him. And so this fall, these classes, these dates are already set. They're gonna start, you're gonna start to see them come out. Bobby's class, Growing in Christ, you can jump out at any time, at any time and get into that class. It's just rotating. We think that class is so important that it just rotates, is it 12 weeks long? 12 weeks long, it just keeps going around and around and around. And uh, you can jump in that class anytime. We'd really encourage you. I hope this encouraged you. We wanna be a church that's growing people in the likeness of Christ. That's what he believed his command us to be. So grab one of those. And if you're scared, say, come talk. Say, Pastor Scott, I'm a little, a little nervous. I've been a Christian for a long time. Can I go to that class? I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my arm around and walk with you there because it's that good of a class. Um, and we want you engaged in these things. All right, well, let me pray and then we will uh, make two charges this morning. A charge to our elders 
and a charge to the church. Father, thank you for this day. This is a, a beautiful day, Lord. You, you've always sent your servants into your people. You've never left them without teachers and instructors and shepherds and those who would guide. And Lord, once again, you have promised and fulfilled, and we see that here in the church today. And so, Lord, we ask that you would, you would guide and direct us as we talk and teach through these steps, Lord, that we would be encouraged what you've done here at Riverbend. And we would be a church, Lord, that holds to the full counsel of God's word, we would not be a church that just takes portions out that fit our program or fit our culture. But each and every text, Lord, would be applied to the ministry here. And that you would be magnified through our teaching and our living and our practice. So, Lord, guide us as we look into your word now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I titled the sermon, The Church, Plurality of Elders, and the Glory of Christ. I often work hard on my sermon titles. Um, you may not catch them as much as uh, I do, but I'm trying to sum up the whole thought of everything that the text is teaching. First, the church. I want to talk about that just for a moment. You know the church is called the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ? Isn't that an incredibly endearing term to give us? There's one person in the world that I am the biggest fan of and will guard her with my own life, it is my bride, Gina. You really don't want to get on my wrong side and mistreat her. Because I have a charge from God to protect her. To love her, meet her needs, and help her grow. That's my charge as a husband. But I want you to think about this from a church standpoint of view. The church is the bride of Christ. His bride is not to be messed with. <laughs> She is extremely precious to Christ. And he cares for her dearly. He loves her. He watches over her. He meets her needs. And the church is not something to be frivolously flirted with. And that's what happens so much in today's culture. People flirt with the church. They always take and and try to find whatever they can get. And, and, and it's, really, it's really almost spiritually immoral, isn't it? God loves his church so much that he sent his son to shed his own blood to purchase her, to hold her forever, to never let her go. So we as elders, we've understood that at some level. It drives what we do. We know this church, you, us, we do not belong to the leadership of this church. We are merely under stewards. We are under rowers. We are under shepherds of the great chief shepherd. And someday, as we'll see in this lesson, we, leaders here, elders here, will say, here's what we did with your people. It's a precious commodity. And so we charge ourselves to be careful with the church. Notice the second, as I wrote, the plurality of elders. I got thinking about this great, greatly this week. I thought, well, we're certainly not Christ, are we? <laughs> and he's such the perfect shepherd. He's the perfect elder. He's, he's perfect in every way. And, and so it takes a lot of us to even remotely care for you the way Christ cares. 
And I think one of the failures of the modern day church is that they've built a pyramid system. They've had a guy on top and he's been the man. And when you think about that, when you think about this role of caring for such a diverse group of people, and you try to take one man to cover that, it doesn't work. I don't think that was ever God's intention. Even as you turn your way back and think about Old Testament, Moses was trying that for a long time, right? His father-in-law, Jethro, comes and rebukes him for trying to care for such a great amount of people without help. Christ can do it. He he shepherds us and cares for us perfectly, but, but we is Christ. And so he's designed for a plurality of leaders, plurality of giftedness, and, and, and a division of labor that allows us to be among the flock and to care for it. And so you have the church, you have the plurality of elders, and then you have the glory of Christ. And I think when we understand what the Bible teaches about church government, church leadership, the role of the ecclesia, that's the church, he is greatly glorified. Anytime we do things his way, we exalt him. We exalt him in our marriage when we fulfill our roles that God has given, man and woman in those roles, children, those things. That that all brings God great glory. But the same is true in the church. When the church responds to the scriptures, when the leadership bends its knee to the the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ, he is magnified. And that's our goal. That's always our goal. The Old Testament has shown this. Christ selected 12 disciples. 11 of them certainly were true and then replaced uh, with with Judas who had fallen astray and and replaced with Matthias. He, He took a group of men to care for the church. And then as the disciples become apostles and they begin to teach, and we'll see this today over and over in the scriptures, they're always gathering elders, plural. They know that it takes many hands, many hearts, many minds to care for God's people. I want to give two charges today. They're simple. The first charge is to the elders. To the elders that are going to be installed and to the elders that exist. Because these truths fit us. The second charge is to the church. But don't check out on the first one, church. You need to know this. And there may be men in here who are wrestling with eldership right now. There are some, there are quite a few actually in process right now. And later in the service, Pastor Brian's going to share the process that we have written down to take men through to help them and us understand uh, whether their calling is of God or of themselves. There may be many of those in here that are wrestling with those things. And then, and maybe say, so I don't think I'm ever going to be an elder. I think it's important you know what God does to bring about a man to put in his position. So charge to elders. Um, if you have notes, I would encourage you to jot these down. I'll give you lots of scriptures, and our time is short today, so we'll move through these rapidly. First and foremost, eldership is a calling by God. Eldership is a calling by God. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Paul, speaking to the elders of Ephesus, said this, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. Now listen to this. Among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. We are very careful not to call men. We don't walk around and tap guys on the shoulder and say, hey, we'd like you to be an elder. We want God to call you. We want God to put it on your heart. We want it to be to where you can't get away from it. We want that that spirit of God to nag at your heart in a sense. 
to call you to be one who shepherds and cares and will lay your life down for the flock. We believe that God must do that. And so eldership is a calling by God. Number two, elders must have a God-given desire to do the hard work of ministry. To do the hard work of ministry. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says, It's a trustworthy statement of any man that aspires to the office of overseer. Now listen to this. It is a fine work he desires to do. So the temptation in our society is to have a position, isn't it? You can have a, a list of things who you are. I remember a man running for office in our local little small town that we lived in was trying to put a flyer out and he had all these lists of all his qualifications and then he threw this little baby and an elder at a church. <laughs> Sordid gain probably is what he was using that for. No, we want you to have a desire for the work of the ministry, not the position. Anybody can get on a committee. There's all kinds of that stuff that goes on in churches. And then all kinds of problems come from those things as well. People fight and want power and authority and those things. The Bible is really clear on this. Elders, I'm calling you to do the work of the ministry. And the work is difficult. Listen to 1 Peter. This is what our brother Bruce read this morning. Shepherd the flock. That means you have to be intentionally caring, shepherding among the flock, watching over them. Not, only, not over your own desires, not only your own financial gains, not only all, over all, all the things that you would like to accomplish. You're to be among the flock. You're to exercise oversight. That means you've got to have wisdom. You need to know the word. You need to have God's purposes in mind and not yours. Notice it's not under compulsion. This is the reason why we don't vote people in. We don't push them towards something. We don't want them to be compelled by somebody else to be there. We want them to be called by God to do the work of the ministry. Not voluntary, but, excuse me, but voluntary according to the will of God. There's God's aspect of this. He, he calls. And then he says this, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Are you eager to serve the Lord, men? Are you eager to follow what God has laid down for this church through his word? not lording it over as those allotted to your charge. That term right there uh, will keep me awake at night at times. God, you have allotted a certain percentage of your uh, universal bride to my, our care. It's disturbing at times. Lord, may we care for them rightly. See, that takes work. You, you have to put your pride on the back burner. You, you, you have to submit to him. This is, this is the hard work of ministry, proving to be an example to the flock. Can't walk on Sunday one way and then Monday do your own thing. And, and really, that's just the heart manifesting itself. And so elders are called to the hard work of the ministry. Three, elders must be gifted. Paul challenged Timothy, he says, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, 1 Timothy 4.14. Men need to be gifted. I love the giftedness of our elders. We were thanking the Lord of that this morning as we met and prayed for service and for all these affairs this morning. Men need to be gifted. And God's blessed this eldership with unique gifts. And, and so as the body as diverse as ours is, we need diversely gifted men. Not all men stand in the pulpit. Not all have that gift. But their gifts are nonetheless any less than this gift. And he gives us tremendous gifts so that we can care for the flock. Everything from the preaching of the word of God to administrative and everything in between of that in order to care for that. 
So men must be gifted, and we want to see their gifts. And they're often, before we ever see them towards eldership, they're actually exercising those gifts. Elders don't just become their hands laid on them, and all of a sudden, wow, this gift hit me. No, they have them already. They're already serving. They're already exercising those things. Four, elders are to, now listen to the terminology here. Elders are to teach, to govern, to care and protect the body of Christ. There's too many passages that refer to this for me to to pick any one out, but this is just what we do. Elders are to teach. That means we must study. You cannot teach what you do not know. And so, Paul challenges Timothy to rightly divide the word of God, to be a student of the word, to cut it straight. And that's a very important term. Think about this. In today's world, it's easy to kind of go, well, oh boy, I don't want to teach on that. Half the church will be mad at me. So I'll just slice it around. It's one of the reasons we teach expository. I, don't ha- I can't miss a verse. Because <laughs> you'll come up to me and go, Scott, why'd you skip verse 40, 42? Well, I didn't like it. No, you've got to study it. You've got to know it. You've got to apply it. This is what we do as a church. We believe all of the counsel of God's word. And so elders are to teach. That's, that's one of the overarching commands within the eldership is they're teachers. It's one of the key differences between them and the deacon is that elder teaches. And so he must study he also must govern. That comes to the overseer part of us. He must govern. He must understand the affairs of the church. He must understand financial aspects and, and struggles and illnesses and all kinds of things to try to help the church be moving towards a more biblical Christ-centered church. And then he must care and protect the body of Christ. That's where that shepherding comes in. The shepherd is among the flock. He sees the lambs that limp. He sees a lamb that has been attacked by a wolf. He's there to help the healthy continue to go towards greener pastures. That's all we're showing you in discipleship. That's just your elders going, come on, don't stay down where the flies are bad and the grass is short and the water's bitter. (laughs) Let's go up the hill where the grass is cool and and, and you're growing I'm giving you ranching terms. I know it might go over some of your heads. But if you want your cattle to look fat and nice, and you get them into good grass. That's what we do. We're trying to get you in deeper into the word of God so you grow, and the struggles that often take people away will not take you away because you know the word of God. And so we care and we protect the body of Christ. Many, many attacks come on this church In the four years I've been here, it has been amazing how many people come through these doors wanting to attack you. And many of them you've never seen. Because the elders and men that they have been working with have caught those men and removed them. Trying to teach you some internet sensation theology. Trying to drag your women away into something else. Those things have come through these doors and and our goal is to protect the flock from false teaching. And that's paramount. That's a charge for them. And so elders, we teach, we govern, we care and protect the body of Christ. Fifth, elders are to be constantly investing in faithful men. That's what we do. We look for, God, we look for men God is raising up. What's, who, who is God stirring? 
Who is God growing? And it may not be just another elder. It may be someone who's just now ready to lead a community group, who's ready to start with Tom and do partners with somebody. We look for those people, men and women, young people, students, who are growing in the Lord. Our goal is, is always to be about that. Paul charges Timothy that he is to look and hear the things that was taught in the presence of many witnesses and to entrust these to faithful men, to to take the next level and say, hey, brother, will you come study with me? Will you grow? Will you be a part of the ministry? And really what we do is we recognize what God is doing in your life. And that is a very important part of the eldership. Six, the the elders work hard to lead the church to joy and strong faith. I want you to think about that. Let me say that again. The elders work hard to lead the church to joy in strong faith. Now, why would I put work hard in there? Because you know how easy it is to not be joyful, and you know how easy it is to be lazy? We do that falling off a log. We're naturally not joyful, (laughs) right? We let the things of the world get us down all the time. We, We naturally don't push ourselves at times to study God's word and be intent on knowing the Bible. So elders, our goal is to help you be joyful. Brian Sheely gave me a great verse this week on this topic. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. You should write this down and look at it later, but let me just read it to you. Not that we, the leadership, lord over your faith, but are workers with you for your joy and for your faith. Isn't that an amazing verse? See, we're workers with you for your joy. Oh, we don't want you to fall into depression, into despair. We want you to have joy. That's what God gives us. We have joy in the Lord. We have joy in his strength. Even during the most difficult things, we can find joy. And elders are to do that. And men, I challenge us, do we lead our people towards joy? Is that our goal? Are we leading them to a stronger faith? Faith in Christ, not in, not in rivermen. <laughs> rivermen can't save you. Not, not even in us. We, we, you can nail us on a thousand crosses, we couldn't save you. But leading you towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Seven, shepherds are to keep watch over people's souls and they will give an account for it. This is right out of Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders, submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. And I mentioned this earlier at the beginning. That's a daunting thing, isn't it? From us, I don't know about for you, for us it is. I've got to give an account for you. You're a gift to me. You've given me, as an elder, as us elders, you've been been given to us to keep charge over you, to watch you, to care for you, help you grow. And someday the Lord's going to say, Scott, what would you do with them? Bobby, what did you do with them? Brian, what did you do with them? John, what did you do with them? Did you lead them towards me or did you lead them towards yourself? What did you do? We know today, it doesn't take very hard to hear the bad theology is out there. Most people, most pastors, elders are leading them towards themselves. They're leading them to prosperity gospels and false gospels, false views of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to lead them to the Lord. Eight, and quickly here, i got to finish this point. Um, there's a shared plurality of leadership. We, and as elders, we call this a division of labor. Everyone has a role. 
And, and in our elder meetings, um, it, it's a wonderful time because it, it, we have this division of labor. And there's so much to do here. There's, there's everything, like we said, from finances to preaching and everything in between, counseling and, and discipleship and children's ministries and youth and, and worship and, and so forth. It just goes on and on. Well, who oversees that? And so we turn to giftedness and the division of labor and the strengths of our men. And those, those strengths come out. You see that in our elder meeting. Those men are uniquely gifted. Our men will say stuff and I'll sit there and go, that, that's really good. I, I would not have thought about that. And I'm so grateful for them as we sit there together and pray and serve and, and see how we can care for the church. And so there's a shared plurality. Nine, there's a diversity of gifts. And I've spoken of this already, but it's the best way to serve the church. I know there's churches that sometimes um, that have plurality of elders and they just cycle everybody through the pulpit, and that might work in maybe a smaller church, but usually not all those men are gifted to be able to, to communicate those things, and, and, and so uh, keep gifted people in their gifted positions. I, I've said this before, you know, don't put me down in the nursery. I didn't even like my kids so they could play baseball. Um, I'm not gifted there I, I, I watch some of you people and I just stand amazed every day I pray for our children's ministry people mainly because I'm scared that you're not going to go down there and I might have to go myself <laughs> tremendously gifted people down there my wife goes down there and holds your kids attentions while her husband goes on and on in here that's giftedness isn't that amazing? And, and so giftedness is such an important part of what we do. Stay in your lane, <laughs> elders. <laughs> That's what we do, right? So together our giftedness comes together with a plurality of united men together. And men, you should have a following. There should be people following you. People who say, I trust that man, I want to follow him. And, and that should be evident within our lives. Shepherd the flock among you. Before I leave this point, I want everyone to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 and following. This is a little passage that sometimes gets overlooked from 1 Timothy chapter 3, the great teaching on eldership, or Titus chapter 1, or, or even 1 Peter chapter 5. This is a little passage that sometimes gets looked over. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 through 26. I want to leave this with the final charge to our elders. I love this section, and it has often uh, brought tears to my own life when I fail in some of these areas. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome. Remember, he's writing to Timothy, Pastor Timothy here. The Lord's servant here, and he's really, I believe he's referring to um, the elders here. The Lord's elders, their bondservants, these men enslaved to his will, must not be quarrelsome. We're not here to fight with you. That's not, our, that's not what we want to do. But they're to be kind to all. Notice that all. You know I love circling alls in my Bible. Um, that one was a little hard one to circle. Because <laughs> some people just are mean. And they're hard to be kind to. But the Bible tells us elders to be kind to all. Able to teach. It means we've got to study men. We need to know the Bible Patient when wronged. Ooh, that's a tough one. Elders take a lot of gut punches. 
and they stand there. And they don't often have too much defense, but they're patient when wronged with gentleness, correcting those in opposition. We do have to correct those. Sometimes um, it is stern, but it still has a gentleness to it. You can't teach that here. We love you. You're welcome to stay, but you cannot teach that here. That goes against the Scriptures. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of truth. And that's what we're after, our shepherding skills, the shepherding ability God has given us to care for his flock. The goal is to lead people to repentance, leading them to the knowledge of truth. That's what we want to do, men. That's what God's called us to do. And then last, the verse 26, and that they may come to their senses. Some people just get lost in their own views and they're, they're way away from the Bible. But they're going to they're gonna be ensnared here by the devil and the goal is to teach them the truth so they can escape the snare of the devil having been t- held captive by him to do his will. And they don't even know it often. W- what a passage, men. What a passage to remember. That, that passage should be etched in our minds as we serve. Second, the charge to the church. Well, first of all, number one, elders are Christ's gift to the church. I don't want this to sound arrogant at all, but God gave you a gift when he gives you pastors. And I think a lot of people dismiss that gift. And they don't realize that God himself gives us leadership. I have pastors. They're all sitting right here. These are my pastors. They pastor my soul. They rebuke me when I need to be rebuked, and they strengthen me when I need to be strengthened. And I need that. You don't want to let me not have somebody pastoring me. That's not good, trust me, Astrina. I need these men. And so their gifts, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, he gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some as pastor teachers. He gave the church that gift. So remember that, church. Your elders are a gift from God and they're a gift to the church. Elders are pastors, I want you to know that. And I know a lot of questions go, well, what do we call um, Bobby and Brian and John? Well, you call them pastors. They're pastors, right? Pastor, elder, over, same guy. That you study, we've studied it through the scriptures many times here together. Overseer, pastor, elder, always talking about the same men. Now when we speak of the eldership, we're talking about the plurality of us. So we don't want you to go around, Elder Scott, I'm trying to stay young. Don't be calling me that. Um, but when we talk about elders, and you'll hear us say the elders have, have made this decision or we've been praying about this. That's talking about us as a group. But we're pastor, John, Pastor John today. Pastor Brian, Pastor Bobby, welcome to the ministry with us. That's how we refer to these men. Two, we must be careful on how quickly we lay hands on men. This is very important. First Timothy chapter 5, do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily, it says in verse 22 there. And then it says this, thereby sharing responsibility for the sin of others. It's a warning to Timothy. It's a warning to the church. Well, he's a good guy. He shows up every Sunday. Let's make him an elder. Uh, There's a process, and we're going to share that process with you here in just a little bit of what these men have been through to, to help them understand and to help us understand that their calling is of God. There's a rebuke in the Scriptures. Do not be quick to lay hands on. And so, church, be careful with that. Make sure that this man, that you may come to us, and we welcome you to come and say, hey, Pastor Scott, there's, boy, I, I re- this man's really been ministering to me. We love to hear that. 
There's, there's no reason for that. But we don't want to be pushed into laying hands on someone and therefore take upon their sin as well because so often churches have hastily put men into position and realized that those men lived a double life. The church suffers greatly when that happens. So don't lay hands on too quickly. Elders must be prayed for. Listen to this beautiful verse in Acts chapter 14, verse 23. When they had appointed elders, plural, for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Boy, I love that verse. Acts chapter 14, verse 23. When they recognized what God had done, these appointed elders, they prayed for them. I charge you as church, pray for us. So many of you tell us that. We hear that regularly. We've been praying for you, pastors. Man, do we appreciate that. We, we want you to beseech our God, our, our heavenly Father who knows all things, sees all things, is in every place. We want you to beseech him on our, on our behalf. And we plead with you to do that. Fourth, and we've said this earlier, it is the Lord who makes elders. Acts chapter 20, we saw that the Holy Spirit made them elders, Paul said to the elders of, uh, of Ephesus. But in Acts 13, verse 2, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit set Barnabas and Paul apart. And so God sets men apart, so know that. Don't, don't, don't think, well, Scott's got his buddies in. I've heard that. That's not true. I look for men that God has set apart, and And there we begin to take them through a process. Fifth, highly esteem your elders. This is an interesting term, so I want to read it from the scripture so you don't think this is me. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13. But we request you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you, having charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. Esteem them. This is not worship. Please. And you'll find when you often come to us and you want to praise us for something, we have, it's difficult to take it sometimes. And we'll probably, I'll usually say thank you. I appreciate that. Um, don't worship us. And, and I know in this culture today that easily happens or it actually hardens young people towards a command like this. But it's good for us. I esteem these men right here. They're my brothers that I labor with. I esteem them highly. I esteem them for their work, and I want to live in peace with them. Number six, obey your elders. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. Obey them. I have rarely seen anyone who disobeyed the elders, who give clear, loving, biblical instruction to them that anything good happened to them after that. That's just my observation. God's very serious about that. And he uses us in your life to help you, to guide you. And the Bible charges you, church, to obey your elders and to submit to them because they're watching over your soul. We're not watching over your bank accounts. We're not watching over your do's and don'ts. We're watching over your soul. And that's our goal, and we do that through teaching the word of God and shepherding you. Seven, this is a very interesting, give your elders joy. The rest of this verse in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says this, 
After it says, obey your leaders and submit to them as they keep watch over your soul, then it says this, let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Give your elders joy. And you may have some difficult situations in your life and you need to come to us. And, and we may weep with you. And it may be grievous at times to deal with sin maybe in your life that we have to help you work through. But that doesn't mean that's robbing us of joy. Come with a heart of submission. That'll give us joy, even in the most difficult things. Because I don't want you to go away from us. Well, don't go to the elders because they want to be joyful. <laughs> no, we deal with difficulty all the time. But what makes it difficult is when people come trying to get us to justify their sin. That's not very joyful for us because we go, well, I, I can't. The Bible says this right here. It's clear. And I love you enough, brother or sister, to tell you the truth of what God says to do here. And when you fight that, that, that robs us of joy. And so, so you may have something very difficult, and you're even thinking now, I need to make an appointment with one of these elders to come and get some counsel on some issues in my life. We want you to come. Please come. But come ready to obey and submit to the word of God through your elders. That's what brings us great joy. Imitate your elders. Um, imitate their faith. This is an interesting verse Hebrews, earlier, Hebrews 13, 7. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the results of their conduct and imitate their faith. That's why elders are commanded to be examples to the flock. This is why things go astray. When, when the pulpit goes astray, the church often goes astray. God puts a heavy responsibility on us. And so as we follow the Lord, you follow the Lord with us. Elders sometimes need financial support. The Bible's pretty clear on this. Elders who rule well are to be considered of double honor. The word is teme in the Greek. It is a word we get honorarium from. Especially those who work hard in preaching and teaching. There are some elders that need to be financially supported. Paul told the church that was not supporting them in 1 Corinthians 9.14. He says, so also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. So some of us, you, don't want, you probably don't want me out doing an eight-to-five job. You want me studying. You want me counseling. You want, me, you want some of us doing that. And as we're entering eldership, yes, we have many elders who are vocational elders, but God is now adding non-vocational elders. But it is important that you understand that your monies go to, to feed us, to care for us, to help us do what we do. And that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. And people say, well, well, a big portion of the budget has salaries. Yeah, it does. All churches have that. <laughs> that allows us to be free, to care for you, to study, to do the things that we do. Paul goes on to say, he quotes an Old Testament book, uh, Old Testament uh, passage out of Exodus. He says, don't muzzle the ox. I remember for many, many years, I cowboyed and pastored. And I remember the day when the Lord released me from the everyday work so I could study. I went to my office for the first time and wept because I was finally free to study, not trying to balance so many things to try to handle the word of God and the difficult issues that were going on in the church. And so God frees some of us to do those things. But if you're a layman here, we need lay guys. And God's starting. John is our lay guy. And, and we know there's more. We have several right now that are in process working through their eldership. We need lay guys. They, they add so much to our eldership. And so we pray that God is stirring in some of our laymen here to be elders. 
Be careful of making accusations. First Timothy 5 says, Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Be careful. Remember, there's always somebody mad at us. Always. <laughs> because we would not justify their sin. And we said, we can't do that. We, we can't justify that, that act. The Bible says this. And so there's always somebody mad at you. So you know, the Bible's protecting them. But then there's elders who do fall into sin. And the Bible says, well, those who continue in sin, they don't repent, rebuke in the presence of all. It skips almost all church discipline, takes them right to the front and rebukes them and removes them. And so there's, that's pretty weighty on us. And so there needs to be a consistent life that follows the Lord and we covet your prayers and then follow them. Follow them. They're your shepherds. Follow your shepherds. Don't try to run your own race. Follow your shepherds. That's why God gave you. He wants to lead you to greener pastures through them. Follow them. When they give you instruction and give you ideas and how to grow, follow that. God will bless that. I have one last line. I wrote it in caps here because I want you to see this. Love their wives and their children. Love their wives and their children. I don't think there's anybody more who suffers in the ministry than our wives and our children at times. They often are treated differently. Um, uh, wives are scrutinized. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's difficult being the wife of an elder pastor. Um, it's, it, it, they give us up constantly. I don't, can't tell you how many times I said, honey, somebody's in the hospital. She was so go, go. Right in the middle of dinner, right in the middle of a plan. Over and over they give us up. And that means our children give us up to serve the church. Now we have to be careful with that. But love our wives and our children. Church, that'll go a long ways. And we feel that. Well, let me pray. We're going to sing a song, and then we're going to bring these three men up and their wives and the elders up, and we're going to lay hands on them and thank the Lord for what he's done. Father, this is great truth. We are humbled at these words that we've studied from your text. You give men to the church. You raise them up. We as elders don't take credit for any of this, Lord. We we know that you did a work in our lives, Lord, and you had a calling on us. And I know for many of us, we maybe even tried to escape it for a long time. But you would not let us go. You wanted us doing this. You wanted us being your under-shepherds. You wanted us caring for your children, for your bride, for your loved ones. And so, Lord, we thank you for that, that calling that you put in our lives. We thank you for a church at Riverbend, Lord, and I'm particularly grateful for this, that you gave us a church that loves its leadership, that submit to him and obey and, and, and bring joy to us, Lord. I pray you would continue to grow people who, who work together to glorify Christ. Leadership in the body of Christ, working together to exalt our son through the perfect word of God. Lord, I can't think of a better goal on this earth. And so I thank you for Riverbend Church. I know I pray for Gina now. Thank you for bringing us here. I know I speak for other elders here, Lord, that are here, that they know that you brought them here to serve. And so bless this time now as we lay hands on this, these men. May you be glorified. May the church uh, recognize these things and maybe together bring great glory to you. We pray this on all your glorious name and person, Jesus Christ. Amen.